Hi, I'm Leslie Ludy, host of the Set Apart Girl podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. The last couple of episodes, we've been focusing on overcoming fear and really how to respond biblically to the panic and the fear and the stress that we see happening all around us in the world today. And so if you haven't been able to catch up with those episodes, I believe they'll really be helpful to you. The last episode, we actually talked about how to help others in your life really focus on Christ in a time when the world is in crisis. In this episode, I'd like to return to the topic of biblical womanhood and really catching a vision for God's plan and purpose for for our feminine design. And I want to look at the topic of feminism and how we can have a biblical and a Christ-centered response to those feministic ideas that are constantly being presented to us as women by the culture and even the church. Before we dive in, I wanted to remind you that we are having our annual Set Apart Conference June 5th through 7th. You can join us in person in Colorado. We'd love to see you. And I know a lot of us need something to look forward to you after this season of isolation. So I'd love you to make plans to come out to Colorado in early June. And if you aren't, if you aren't able to travel at that time, or if it's just more convenient for you, you can also host a simulcast of the conference. And a lot of ladies have used the simulcast as an opportunity to share the set apart message with other women in their lives. So whether you bring a group into your home or host an event at your church or just stream the sessions to your own computer, it's a great way to participate in this event from a distance. And you'll have access to the sessions all throughout 2020. So pick a time that works best for you. Go to setapartgirl.com to learn more. There are also some really really powerful training discipleship programs that are coming up later this year at Ellerslie. We have our week-long program in the summer, our five-week program in the summer, and then multiple programs happening in the fall of 2020. So go to ellerslie.com if you would like to learn more about taking a season of your life to go deeper with Jesus Christ out here at our beautiful Ellerslie campus in Colorado. Let's dive into looking at a biblical approach to feminism. I remember a moment when my oldest child was about four years old, and we were at a playground, and another mom who was standing nearby mistakenly thought that my son had cut in front of her daughter while they were standing in line for the slide. And I was watching the whole thing, and I knew he hadn't done anything, but she started to yell at her little girl with these kinds of statements. Don't let that boy push you around. Stand up for yourself. Shove him out of the way. Take what's yours. You know, Don't be a pushover. And it really took me off guard. First and foremost, I was, as a mom, really upset that she had falsely accused my child. But also just the way she was speaking to her daughter was really jarring to me. It's such a perfect example of the feministic mindset towards men in our culture today. Women who have been hurt by selfish men or disgusted by the wrong notions of what femininity should be have often decided to take matters into their own hands. And so the modern feminist approach is one that often echoes the sentiments of that mom on the playground, shove men out of the way and take what's yours. That's the culture that we live in. And that really is the mindset that a lot of us are surrounded by today. It's so easy to be influenced to think the way our culture does, to fight for what we want and to shove aside anyone, especially men who might get in our way. But we need to remember that the modern feminist agenda is not God's agenda. He has a far better approach to helping us rise up to our high calling as women, and it doesn't involve shoving men out of the way and taking what's ours. 
There have been some positive outcomes from the women's rights battles over the years, over the decades, really. I mean, things like women being able to vote and being treated with respect in the workplace, etc. And yet there's a deeper problem because the underlying attitude of modern feminism is the opposite of God's design for true womanhood. It's scorning masculinity, disregarding a man's call to lead, militantly demanding control, and often even superiority. We need to remember as set-apart women, we are not called to be feminists. We are called to be Christians. So I'd like to look at the question, how do we become free from oppressive human ideas and embrace God's life-giving pattern for femininity without tossing aside God's heart and his nature in the process? As I've looked at scripture, I've discovered that there really are some amazing examples in the Bible of women who did exactly that. Just think about the story of Esther. She was at the beck and call of an ungodly king who held her life in his hand. I mean, talk about being oppressed. She couldn't even come into his presence unless she was invited. And if she did, she could lose her life. Even though Esther was royalty, she wasn't free to make her own decisions. It could mean her execution if she did something the king didn't like. Change was obviously desperately needed, especially when her life and the lives of her people hung in the balance. But I love the way that Esther responded to this situation. Instead of using manipulative or demanding tactics, she turned to the power of God. She spent three days fasting and praying for his wisdom and his favor before she even attempted to bring her request to the king. That's really amazing because I feel like most of us try to take matters into our own hands and we rush in there with our own brilliant idea of what's going to solve the problem. She stepped back and said, Lord, I want your solution, not my solution. And not only did she save an entire nation as she did that, But she went from being the king's slave to becoming his trusted and respected advisor, all because she leaned wholly on God's strength and his wisdom instead of her own. Ruth is another amazing example. She was basically an outcast with no money, no opportunities, and no respect when she went with Naomi back to Naomi's homeland in order to care for her. She was actually forced to gather the leftover grain from other people's fields just to survive. Now, it says that she could have pursued men romantically who may have been able to help her change her life circumstances, but instead she surrendered. She surrendered her desires and yielded to Naomi and to Naomi's God. And you see God write this really powerful story as she began to just trust in him instead of to use feminine manipulative tactics. It wasn't manipulation or human strategy that helped her win Boaz's heart and become part of a powerful redemption story. It was actually placing all of her confidence in the power and wisdom of God and taking one step of obedience at a time. And I think we can learn so much from the example of Ruth. Abigail is another woman in scripture who is oftentimes overlooked, but her story is really incredible. She was in a very desperate situation. She was at the mercy of an evil and selfish husband whose terrible decisions were about to cost many people their lives, including possibly her own. She didn't panic, but instead she yielded to the guidance of God and she was given supernatural wisdom to stop King David from rashly taking revenge on her husband and all that he had. She single-handedly brought sanity to an out-of-control situation and she stopped senseless bloodshed and she saved many people's lives in the process. 
process. King David praised her for her God-given wisdom. He heeded her advice, and he completely changed his course of action in response to her appeal. He even asked her to marry him after her wicked husband had died. What an incredible example of someone who yielded to God's wisdom instead of taking matters into her own hands. Each of these women had very specific things that God led them to do, but what I find so interesting about their stories is they were not trying to manipulate and use their own ideas, their own feminine wiles to get the outcome that they wanted. They were yielded to God and they acted as he told them to act. They took the steps of obedience that he told them to take. Each of these women and many others like them took very bold and countercultural steps against oppression that resulted in history altering outcomes. But in every case, those bold steps did not flow from a fleshly, selfish, demanding attitude. They came, as I've said, from an attitude of complete surrender to the one that they knew they could trust with all of their heart. They knew that God valued them, that he cared about him, and that he wanted to work through their lives to accomplish his purposes. They trusted in him and not in themselves, and their own lives and the lives of countless others were forever changed as a result. So do you see the difference between the way that we can respond to a wrong situation? We can lean on our own strengths and ideas using fleshly tactics to try to achieve feminine strength, as many of the modern feminists do, or we can let God powerfully work through us and build his strength within us as we yield to him. Now, which path we choose directly impacts our ability to thrive in our calling as women. So I encourage you to place all your confidence in him and not in yourself. There has been so much debate around Christianity in recent years about acceptable roles for women. It can be such a confusing topic. Should women ever teach publicly? Should a woman always take a backseat to a man's opinion? Should women work outside the home? Should women go to the mission field? And the list goes on. There are strong and even volatile opinions on either side of those issues, and I'm definitely not going to try to address them in this podcast. But honestly, I believe that these are really all secondary issues. Those questions often distract us from the most important question of all, what is our position? I'm not referring to our position in the home or the church or society. What I mean is our position in the heavenly realm. Colossians 2.9 says that for in him, meaning Jesus Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. We are complete in Jesus. And in Romans 8.1, it says there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The gospel is so much more than just mentally agreeing with the fact that Jesus died to save us from our sin. Embracing the gospel means a changing of our position. Before we come to Christ, our position is outside of him. We are controlled by our own flesh, which is that selfish, sinful part of us that constantly pulls us away from all that is good and righteous. But when we come to Christ, we take a new position in him. Old things pass away and he becomes the one in control, the one who is willing and acting within us to do according to his good pleasure, as it says in Philippians 2.13. Taking our position in Christ is the secret to a Christianity that really works, and it's the secret to womanhood that really works as well. When we take our position in Christ, our identity becomes wrapped up in him and is no longer in ourselves. That means that in Christ, we can have victory over the control of sin 
and our flesh. In Christ, we are protected from the power of the enemy. In Christ, we have the ability to live lives that would otherwise be impossible because it is not we who live, but Christ who lives in us. That is really an astounding reality. Knowing our position in Christ is the key to stepping into the life that he has called us to live. It's been said that we can't really know who we are until we know who Jesus is, but we can't stop there. We must know who he is and what our position is in him. When we know who we are in Christ, we won't need to scrape and claw for our rights because we are secure in him. When we know who we are in Christ, we won't be confused about our identity or our gender because our identity is wrapped up in him. When we know who we are in Christ, we won't become obsessed with what we should or shouldn't do as a woman because we will be lovingly led by him one step of obedience at at a time, just as Ruth and Esther and Abigail were. Paul said that all of his earthly accomplishments seemed like rubbish compared to the surpassing greatness of being found in Christ. Taking our position in Christ is the only way to walk in our true identity and calling. It's the only way to experience a life that actually works. If you have never really understood your position in Christ, this is really where your true calling begins. In him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead and you are complete in him, as it says in Colossians 2, 9 and 10. So I'd like to finish this podcast with a very powerful statement from Elizabeth Elliot. This beautifully enunciates the ultimate answer to all of our confusion regarding our calling as women, which is complete and total surrender to the one who made us and loves us more than we could ever comprehend. He is faithful and he is worthy of our lives. Here's what she wrote. We are called to be women. The fact that I am a woman does not make me a different kind of Christian, but the fact that I am a Christian does make me a different kind of woman. For I have accepted God's idea of me and my whole life is an offering back to him of all that I am and all that he wants me to be. What powerful words to think about when we are grappling with this issue of womanhood. Let's lay everything on the altar, surrender our lives to him, and we can be confident that he will shape us into the women that he has called us to be. For more about living a Christ-centered life, I encourage you to go to setapartgirl.com and explore the many resources that we have for you there. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.